And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Wednesday. I'm Dave Dufour here with Mo DeKeel and Seth Hartnow. That means it's Nerder. She wrote, guys, happy Wednesday. Hope everybody's doing pause. well. Not a long pause. It was That's not. A bit of it was upset. not a long pause. Although your Wi-Fi paused on us there, so uh, you know I was waiting for a little response. <laughs> so, uh, guys, anything uh, anything big happened last night in the NBA? I don't know about last night, but certainly since the last time we spoke, some things have happened between you know obviously John Morant being out for the year, um, really a scary looking injury for for Tyrese Halliburton. Though it seems like he avoided the worst of it. It was very reminiscent to me. It was basically uh, the literally the first day I was in the Bucks practice facility when I, when I got uh, hired there. They were doing some you know preseason workouts, and Chris Middleton sp- uh, slid up. Uh, slipped on a on a wet spot and and did the splits in a very similar way and tore his hamstring off the bone and was out for four months. So I was that I was like, Ooh, so you're the jinx. Yes, basically, <laughs> you're uh, the jinx. You're the jinx. You're the guy. Like I would have looked at you going, like you're fired. Your first day and this happened. No, you're. Out. Well, I hadn't been introduced uh, to a lot of the, the the basketball ops people yet, so it was okay. So, no. It would have made it easier to fire you. What are you talking about? That makes it even quicker. <laughs> also, I feel like Chris Middleton the, uh, has done the splits a few times since then. Like, I feel like he's done that in games. I don't know why that that pops in my head. We were do. I was doing a playback for that game, and I was watching that on our uh, Nerder stream. And the uh, it's interesting because Halliburton slipped up like earlier in that game, just on his own, and then mm-hmm. did it again there. But when he did the splits, I was like, oh. I knew right then and there. I said, oh, man, that ain't right. Yeah, not a good thing. Um, so Halliburton, though, luckily only going to be out a couple of weeks. Worst news in Memphis, John Morant is out for the season. He's going to have you know, surgery on his shoulder. And the gap year for the, for the Grizzlies just gets a little gappier. I mean, I think this, this in, a, in a lot of ways, I'm not going to say this is a positive because it's not. They looked great when he came back. I thought... Maybe they had a run to the play-in in them, which is amazing to say for a team that was 6-19 and 19 when he came back. But at the very least, if you're Memphis, the jaw injury now creates a lot of clarity on the rest of the season. Um, I, it's, it's officially just a lost season for, for the Grizzlies. So that's kind of a bummer. But good news, Eric Spolster is getting paid. Eight years, $120 million. He's now... The new highest paid coach in the NBA. Uh, we've we've had three records set this year. We had Monty Williams, then we had Pop immediately after that that went and got a big fat contract, and now we got Eric Spolstra. Um, this is a good did, deal. Did Pop obviously, steal, this did is the best Pop coach in the steal, league. 
Sorry, did Pop steal Trump uh, Monty Williams' deal? <laughs> yes. I don't remember the numbers. Yeah, yeah. And almost immediately <laughs> after, yeah, almost immediately after, uh, walked in and said, hey, now I wonder, does Pop go back and say, I'm no longer the highest paid nope. coach in the NBA? Can you guys fix this? Or So Spolstra signed. No, because um, it's Spolstra. Right. So Spolstra signed just, another eight He's years, the best coach in the NBA. Hands down. Hands down. Um, this is a great deal for Miami. They they keep their their coach, who I doubt there was any chance he was going to leave. I mean, when he leaves, he's going to replace Pat Riley, I'm assuming. So um, that's a that's a good good contract for Eric Spolstra. So guys, I was thinking we should check in on the Los Angeles Clippers. They've been pretty good. They they are 20 and six in their last 26 games. Um, as bad as things looked, Mo to start after the James Harden trade. They have been excellent the last few weeks. This this is a team that looks like they are going to be pushing for a title in May and June. I mean, would that caveat that we always have to say with them, if they're healthy, like this is the one thing with the Clippers, like you really want to believe in them. You really do. You want to say all the things, but it's like, man, but every, they just, Every time they seem close, something bad happens and whatnot and all that. But you have to give them credit because I killed them, Dave, on this podcast, basically anywhere I went on the Harden trade. I thought it was a terrible idea. I thought it was dumb. I was killing them before they made the trade, killed them afterwards. And yeah, I got egg on my face, man. Like this has been phenomenal for them. Like James has been great. He's fit the role perfectly for them. You know, he's kind of gotten the offense moving and flowing. Kawhi is playing at like Kawhi levels when you know and, and and really been phenomenal paul george has been awesome they've done a good job in terms of figuring out the right rotations like ty Lu has you have to give him a ton of credit here in terms of figuring this whole thing out and putting the pieces of the puzzle together you know and hey russ you got to go to the bench and russ in limited minutes is very effective for this team and then on the most important thing too at the end of all of this is harden and Zubach and, and Tice have figured out the pick and roll together, you know, and he's kind of, they found that chemistry together and that's been huge for them. Like, honestly, you look at this Clipper team and it's just, you know, really kind of impressive considering what it looked like the first five or six games with Harden. We were all like, Oh boy. Seth for the season, they're, they're six in net rating. Um, they're just out of the top 10 in defense, but they're in the top 10 in offense. We talk about all the time about the importance of being top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense, and how that separates you. You know, I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder, the Boston Celtics, they're they're in that that sort of tier. The Clippers, I think, they've got a ways to go defensively. They can be way better than they have been, even. Um, but their offense is... They just got so many guys who can do stuff. And it's sort of this thing that we hit on all the time, Seth, where is it bad to have a bunch of guys that can score? or a bunch of guys that can can drive and kick and drive and pass, they can run out lineups with four guys able to handle, shoot, and pass. This is this is play this team is playoff built. And they the you you the, the too much ball handling, too much shot creation isn't really a thing. It's sort of uh are you getting good value for assets to assemble that at the expense of other things? And the Clippers are, you know, in a fairly unique 
situation in terms of we don't care. We're not we're only constrained by cap mechanics, not anything else. Um, and then I think that that we've seen um, the I, I thought some of the best basketball James Harden played in his career was his first kind of couple weeks in Brooklyn. And he's approaching mm-hmm. he's approaching uh, in a similar way in, in L.A. where he is really you know, willing to be more of a, I don't want to say a traditional point guard, but more of a distributor, more of a layback and and see and let Kawhi and Kawhi's cook this year. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, the other part is their health. Um, it, it's, I was just, just looking it up uh, through yesterday's games. Um, Paul George is 30th and Kawhi is 49th in possessions played this year. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big key to it. This is probably the healthiest Kawhi has been, since and maybe even before he won the title in, in with the Raptors. Oh, I mean, this is, before, this is probably that yeah. season before he left San Antonio. I think that that he looks as good physically as he has since then. Um, what he's able to do, I mean, I mean, it's his it's, rebounding is is insane. But I also don't want to sleep on just this is a whole team. Like this team is actually the deepest team in the NBA when you look at it. Norman Powell comes in off the bench and has been unbelievable. Like to me, he he's not getting talked up enough for for a potential six man of the year type stuff that he's been doing. You have, you know, obviously we touched on the rust coming off the bench. Terrence Mann has come in and filled a role for them. Like I think they have a lot, like they're so deep, they've just told PJ Tucker you're not playing. And he was terrible for them. But they full on have just said, like, we don't really need you to play. And I think, you know, now even with Mason Plumley back, they have three bigs. You know, and and picking up Tice was huge for them at the time. And and I think Indiana kind of made a mistake. I think if they held on to Tice, they probably could have spun him off for at least a couple second round picks uh, in a in a trade or something like that to a team that needed bigs. But for the most part, though, you know, you look at this team like who's deeper than them? Honestly, like when you just look at it up and down the roster, like the Celtics are great top six, but like seven, eight, nine, okay. Um, I think the, the Clippers are deeper when you go into that seven, eight, nine range with them. And I think they have a lot of options there and, and those guys come in and they don't take much off the, the, the plate when they come in. I think we need to talk as much as, as about that depth. I think we need to talk about, uh, uh Zubats and, and, and Terrence Mann also, I think that before the season, even before the Harden trade, like, I think one of the things we were looking for is do they find a way to finesse, man in instead of Westbrook and they've they've you know there's some pains to get there but they did that and then then Zubats is having a just a you know for a guy who's always been seen as sort of just sort of out there and and you know we worry about him in the playoffs he is having a a a great season on both ends of the floor he's he's currently fifth in my rim protection metric uh opponents are shooting about 48.5 percent against him at the rim which is you know one of the top marks in the league so i mean they're just not just the stars and the depth but those those middle guys also are contributing mightily well and you know what zubach this is this might be the best pick and roll partner he's ever had in james harden and if you look at his numbers i mean he's shooting this is his best uh, field goal percentage season. He's averaging the most field goal attempts of his career. Um, obviously, most amount of points. Uh, I think Zubac getting unlocked has made everyone else's life easier. You know, the, just having a, a capable pick and roll point guard. And, and to your point, Seth, going more traditional point guard, setting people up. 
And then Harden's doing the thing that he kind of did in Brooklyn where he's ready to close, but he's not the closer for them, right? Like Kawhi is their closer, but James Harden is ready to close. And I think that when you've got that sort of high-level offense, I mean, who's the who's the opposing defense best defender going to guard? Is it going to be Kawhi? You know, when we no, get playoff time, it has to be Kawhi, right? It has to be quiet. Like there's just you have to kind of lock down quiet. But then that that means Harden and Paul George get to go after guys two and three. And the other thing that's really interesting with this is, and to go back to James Harden uh, play, he has the lowest usage of those guys. He's at twenty percent usage. Like I mean, let, let, let go back two years ago. Would James Harden? Would you have? If I told you James Harden would have a twenty percent usage at some point in the next few years, you guys would have laughed at me or thought I was crazy. I mean, this is where we're at right now in the thirty-one games. Kawhi has is, is higher, and Paul George is higher. I mean, it's it, he's found a good flow and mix with everything there. And I think a lot of this again, we got to give credit to Ty Lue and the coaching staff. You know, kind of putting together and figuring out the pieces, not panicking right away when this thing didn't look good you know, pretty quick and, and, and it looked terrible. And then Ty did, has done a great job. And this, this is the first time again, this is, I mean, I hate to keep dropping this caveat if they stay healthy, but this is the first time that this group, the Paul George, Kawhi, Ty Lu group will go into the playoffs, having some sort of chemistry and continuity. You know, they normally get into the playoffs and they play like strangers They don't know each other. They don't know the plays. And now all of a sudden we're going to have, you know, Kawhi Leonard looks, I mean, he looks like a top 10 guy. Uh, I think he could be the best player in any playoff series if if he's going to stay this healthy. Paul George, we've seen him be the best player in playoff series before. We've seen him be the best player on the court with, with other MVP caliber players before. We obviously know James Harden and his story. They are not just the deepest team in the league. They might have the higher ceiling uh, of any team outside of Nuggets and maybe Celtics. And they have one other thing that I, I mean, think is, is playoff useful. And and that's, um, you know, you talked about putting the best defender on Kawhi. Uh, his, he's, for a perimeter, largely perimeter guy, he is somewhat unique in you don't just need a guy who can stay in front of him laterally you need a guy who can just not get just knocked i mean he's he might be the like the strongest pound for pound guy in the nba just his ability to move people out of the way and so you know you can't can you guard him with a mikhail bridges like that traditional sort of lanky wing stopper i mean it's a guy he's just going to put in the basket and he's patient enough to to do that no you need a clone you you need a clone Kawhi. (laughs) yeah and put him on the other team. Like that's that's the type of dude that can guard Kawhi. Is that kind of yeah. strong? So I mean, maybe it's a Marcus Smart type guy who's you know strong in that sense, or or or, or won't get pushed around. But that's a great point, Seth. And like, yeah, the the Mikhail Bridges in the world. You know, I'm trying to think more in the Western Conference because we all know the Nets aren't going to make it to the far enough to play <laughs> yeah, them yeah. in the playoffs. Um, you know, but like those those types of skinny lanky dudes. Can't guard him. It's going to be really tough. You know who? You know who would be a matchup for him though. It would be Jalen Williams in uh, Oklahoma City. J Dub is wing Jalen, strong, stocky dude like that. That's a fun matchup. Oklahoma City and and you know the LA Clippers. Like I think that could be a really fun series. That I hope we get maybe in the playoffs if everybody's healthy. But 
I think there are some stuff, but it's hard. It's hard to find a dude that can hold up against him. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why he's damn near MVP level right now. Like it's, it's something you got to talk about. Like when you look at the way Kawhi is playing, you know, there needs to be more, more hype for him. If he stays healthy all year, there's Clippers continue to rise in the standings. Yeah. And defensively, Kawhi. defensively, again, they, they're able to switch. Um, James Harden, everybody's, uh, you know, it's a big thing with James Harden. Is he going to defend? Is he going to buy in? I actually think they've used him pretty well. I mean, he comes in, he, he's the dig guy a lot on, on doubles. He uses his hands really well. It, they they don't mind him guarding a big here and there, you know. Mo, like, are they doing anything unique, or is this just every single guy there doing a good job of guarding their guy? I think they're they're. I think it's a little bit of both. I think the most important thing is like, look, he's got two perimeter defenders that he plays with, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So he's you know you can hide him more easily on guys and we've always known like hey man put him on a big like you, you know hide him on a, a a big dude for the most part or and, and you'd be fine and he'll do a good job in terms of what you're saying digging helping and doing those types of things and whatnot like it ain't always going to be perfect there are going to be games where it's like yo harden doesn't look interested at all on defense but they have enough behind him defensively that it really won't be so catastrophic as it was on other teams and other situations that he was on. They have so much defensive versatility across the board. I mean, Seth talking about Zubac's rim protection. You know, we know the stories with Kawhi. We know Paul George is a, is, is a damn good defender. Like right there, that's three guys in the starting lineup that all can cover for James. And well, I and, think they're and in man a good position and Terrence with man, that. Yeah. And man, I mean, man's and man. So they got, you know, four guys that they, they fully are covered with, you know, in that sense, you can survive with one bad defender. And to be honest, when you have four guys defending like that, it tends to bleed into you trying a little harder and, and, and it's shown and he's done a good job. Like give him credit. He's done a great job fitting in with this team. And the, well, the vibes are immaculate on this team. <laughs> Who'd have thought the Clippers would be a good vibes team. The, uh, the, the, I mean, just the, the, you mentioned the lower usage, Dave, and and I know Mo, you always hate it when you, when we semi give a guy a pass for mediocre defensive effort because of their offensive load. But I mean, he's got, you know, he's he between playmaking and scoring, he's using 15, 20% fewer possessions this year. There's got to be more energy left for for just being engaged on defense. So he, so he can be merely a bad defender not a an apocalyptic defender which is <laughs> sort of for a lot of these guys is sort of you get to bad and yeah. then you know maybe for Devin Booker you go past that and become good but like let's ask for you know achievable things for Harden and just you know be attentive and in scheme and right and and engaged and like you say Mo let the other guys kind of kind of take the take the heavier lifts on defense and we'll be fine I mean, look for Harden though. It's it's very much been about it's been about attention and activity and just caring even a little bit, right? So, uh, yeah, good to see him doing that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, halfway point of the season, guys. It snuck up on us. We just kind of arrived here, and uh, most teams in that 38 to 40 game played range. I thought it was a good time to check in on the MVP race over at The Athletic. Seth Partnow, he did his MVP tiers uh, a little bit early, I would I would say, because he did it last week. But, Seth, you have an interesting top five, man. This is a very interesting top five. No Jason Tatum. In your top five, how how are you doing that one? Um, I mean, I just it's uh, well, Tatum is an interesting case, and I think we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. Is um, he's he's a sort of a classic. There are other guys on his team, sort of stealing shine from him a little bit. I mean, I, I think Derek White justifiably getting All Star buzz. And Kristaps Porzingis has been absolutely spectacular for them. I don't know if he's been Porzingis has been the best player on the Celtics, but he's been the most important player on the Celtics. And his health, you know, we talked about Kawhi's health. Porzingis's health is is one of those swing things in in what the what the playoffs look like going into it. Is if he's healthy and 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 you know playing this effectively on both ends for Boston, um, I I think that they're the fairly substantial favorites in, to to come out of the East. Mo, Mo, do you agree with? Yeah, this I don't think Porzingis. A... Yeah, no, I, 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 Porzingis is the most important player, but he wouldn't be the MVP of that team. Like for me, it all, it, it does all. St- the reason why he's important is because we know what Tatum's going to do, right? Like Tatum is the guy for them, right? And that's the the important thing. He makes Tatum's job easier. And by the way, that whole Boston team is we, top six, unbelievable. 
Like, I think there's no question they have the best starting lineup, I think, in the league with everything that they do, the best defensive backcourt. Porzingis is doing a great job on both ends of the floor. Like, I think they're, you know, Tatum and Brown, you know, solid on both. Like, it's just a damn good team, I think, with that. And it's because it's so spread out and there is so much talent on there. It, it is I actually understand why Tatum wouldn't be in the top five of the MVP race, you know, and assess MVP tiers and whatnot because of that. You know, it's so spread with who's getting shots and the 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 way they kind of are playing. I like it. I mean, their end of game offense needs some work, but that's a whole other story for another time. Um, but I think they are uh I'm with Seth, like massive favorites. Like they're a tier above everybody else in the Eastern Conference. I don't know who touches them in the East if they're fully healthy going into the playoffs. Yeah, it's I mean it's tough for Tatum, right? Because he, he's the best player. But that group is such high level. I mean, they, they have they have six starters. I mean, Drew Holiday. Look at what like what the way that they're employing him on defense is very unique. And I mean, that's a guy that he's making a huge change to to their team, and it has a huge effect on games. On on that end, I mean, I, I think that it's a fa- that's a fair assessment, Seth. I mean, it's it people are going to take it as a knock on Tatum, um, but really, it's more of a statement to just how damn good that team is i mean our expectations for the celtics right now at least for me i mean i expect them to get to the final i mean the other thing too though like Derek white's the second most important guy on that team <laughs> it's that's i mean that's again that's the other thing and it's and it's, it's not a knock on tatum they're not going to the finals if they don't have tatum like period full stop like that's that's that team's not going to be good enough if they they lost to the pacers and tj mcconnell without Tatum in the in the game but they've also you know every time they have one of those guys missing it tends to be a little bit of a a step back for them but White's importance is huge too just in the backcourt like that that is the most impressive defensive backcourt I've seen in a very long time with Holiday and and White and I'll have something coming out on the athletic pretty soon on Boston um you know and, and their defense because you're right like they're actually very creative defensively. And you guys know I've been begging for teams to be more creative on that end of the floor. And Boston is doing it with all their guys. Yeah, some of their zone stuff has just been absolutely fascinating to watch in the NBA. Um, another guy, Seth, that that missed your cut, Luka Doncic. I'm a little surprised he didn't make your top five. I mean, he's obviously he's having a great year. They're They're winning games. He's putting up numbers that are just kind of, I mean, it feels like a video game. In in my defense, uh, the the Mavs have I have, have not, I think, lost since I wrote that. So their record is a little they I believe they were in they were at best in the play in spots when I wrote that. And so that was I, you know, it's a it's a they're still in the play in. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's a it is um it's always a little bit controversial Ooh, how much relief right yeah, there. <laughs> how much to take? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they did get they did get beat by the the Jawless Grays last night. Um, it it um, it's always a bit controversial how much team success should play into like MVP consideration. And I think it's I think it's your your right to consider it somewhat. And so, like you look at where they are, and then you look at where the guys the the, the guys I had in the top five were. Uh, in sort of reverse order, were Kawhi, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, those guys are all like top top two, top three seeds 
on top two, top three seats and like the driving force on top two, top three seats. Now, some of it is yes, talent around them, but it's also to, you know, okay, to get into those situations, you're, that means you're, you're winning games both in that group and against, uh, against, uh, Boston and the other, the other top teams in the league. And, and those wins are harder. And so the guys on those teams are assisting their teams to get those harder wins. No, the who you beat matters, I think, in this conversation a little bit, um, which is funny because you could probably use that to ding Joel Embiid as well, who's second on your list. But the fact that the Mavs are 8-12 and 12 against teams that are above 500 is a little bit problematic in that regard, you know, and, and I think team success matters in the NBA. I think I, I think it, you can make a big difference in that sense. And I think, look, the Mavs are going to be fine and they're rolling. I haven't felt like Luca as great as he is, and he's averaging career high in points and everything and all of that stuff. I just haven't felt like his impact on the league has been that uh, MVP caliber type of stuff. And it's crazy because he is shooting a career high from three. He's finally hitting a decent three-point percentage, which is something that we haven't seen in a very long time with him. And I, I, I think that's a actually ever. And I think that's a big one, but I just don't feel like there's an impact with what he he has had in terms of other years where I felt like he was more impactful around the league where we were like, holy shit, this year it's not been so much. There's so many other guys that get the holy shit moments. And I think that matters in the MVP conversation. I mean, it is it, as much as people want to complain about narratives in awards. I think the MVP is one where the narrative it, it's rightly included in the award i i I think that it is you know these awards and and we talked about this quite a bit over the years they should tell the story of the season you know when i kick it back and i think about the year that russ won won the mvp with the triple double which in hindsight you know oh yeah totally fine with that it was an amazing season for him in the moment i thought Kawhi was the mvp but in hindsight it's like no that kind of tells the story of that season i'm okay with it i know I see Seth's face because I know that that's hindsight. I still think I still yeah. think Kawhi was here, but but uh, it still told a, a a story. And so, like Mo, I think that you're on to something there. At least with the way I feel about it, you know, not necessarily with my process, but I I try to take those feelings into account when I'm looking at this stuff. So we talked about Kawhi, and he was fifth on your list, uh, uh, Seth. Go ahead, Mo. Uh, what, what? Just one more point with the Luca thing. This also might be just a product of us being tired of Luca constantly being the guy that everybody thought was going to win the MVP and not over the past few years. And I, you know, like there was always that kind of waiting for him moment and that might be unfair on him, but that might be what's also kind of the prejudice, a little bit of the narrative, but it's not like he's doing anything we haven't seen him do before. Right. Um, fourth on your list, you, you've got Giannis, um, the, the, the struggles in Milwaukee. I mean, it's funny to say the struggles in Milwaukee and they're the two seed right now if the playoffs were to start, but they're, they're not, this is not the same bucks that we've kind of become accustomed to. They're not dominant defensively like they used to be, but the offense that they can roll out there is pretty incredible. Um, but you've got Giannis fourth, Jokic third. I, I can't really like, I don't, I don't have any bones to pick there. I think that though both of their teams just, haven't been as good as you, as you want. Um, Jokic, you know, part of that is 
Jamal Murray kind of in and out of the lineup. They've had some injury issues, but the Nuggets are sleepwalking a, a little bit. I, I I'm not sure I'd use sleepwalking. I'd say they're just they're they're in well, third gear. They're a machine. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's not the sleepwalking, but they're a machine. And and I don't know if Jokic can win a, uh, another MVP. Um, if if they're gonna just make their wins look so easy, we'll, we'll see what things look like in the next few months. But the top two, I'm very interested in. Joel Embiid is averaging like 35 a game, and he's been ridiculous. And then Shea Gildas Alexander is, I mean, I just think that he's. This is a continuation of what he started last season, and now they're winning games. Shea, it feels like Shea's gonna just win this MVP as long as Oklahoma City stays on this path. I mean, I think that that first of all, those two in a tier by themselves at the top of the race. I mean, I yeah. think there's, uh, I I knew those two would be in the top tier when I started the exercise, but I was surprised when I started to get into some of the metrics how much separation there is between those two guys and then the next two, Jokic and Giannis, both of whom are having like excellent seasons, but not the the just the peaks that the two guys who you're talking about are hitting. And then, um, I think the the like among other differentiator, just the fact that even before Embiid has missed the last couple of games, Shea has missed only one, I think missed only one game this season. And yeah, okay, he's played six games more at the time I wrote that. Six games isn't a bunch, but you extract that out to 12 or 15 games, and that's a meaningful difference. And so even before we start to quibble on a, like a per possession impact, where I might still lean Shea this year, just in terms of, of you know, how... M- how much OKC gets to play against scrambled defense because of his ability to break the first line of defense down while not turning the ball over just makes life so easy for so other people. Then like, okay, he he may be not the greatest possession to possession defender in part because of how much he has the ball, but he leads the league in steals by just a, a massive margin. And it's like, that makes up for a lot. If you're, if you're carving out, like if you're, if you're zeroing out one extra opposing possession a game, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good, you make up for a lot of, you know, mediocre defensive possessions that way. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the turnovers. Cause Seth, you alerted me to this. Shea Gilgis Alexander hasn't had a game with more than three turnovers since October. This is, I mean, this guy has the ball in his hands so much. (laughs) And I mean, he just doesn't waste. You don't lose possessions with your best player on the court. And I mean, man, I can hammer the Warriors about this because I mean, they have never valued the basketball, but Shea Gilgis Alexander has not had more than three turnovers in a basketball game since the 30th of October, game four of the season. That's absurd. There's a lot of guys who have been like big scorers who have done so not turning the ball over a lot. They very much tended to be more pull-up jump shooter types. You're Dirk Nowitzki, DeMar DeRozan, uh, a couple of Carmelo Anthony seasons sort of come to mind of that. He's also doing this as the guy who gets drives like he has the the most drives in the league by a decent margin he's like for uh when i wrote the story he was like first in total drives and 45th in turnovers on drives and it's just so he's he's not just like creating offense for himself he's he's like i said he's breaking the defense down and usually that's that's a situation where turnovers occur and you're okay with that that's a cost you're willing to pay but you're not even having to having to pay that that cost with shea this year 
No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, with his usage so high on that team, it's, you know, like to have that low of a turnover margin is is absurd. Like, there's just, it's just, a, it, it, you would expect to have a game here and there with four or five turnovers every now and then. Just a bad game like that. But you know, when he has a bad game, it's not the turnovers that are the problem. And that's kind of the absurdness with it. I think the difference when we talk about, and I want to piggyback on Seth's point about, him making everybody's life easier. He's winning Chet Holmgren, the rookie of the year award. Chet Chet's able to really kill. And it's not because he's, he's definitely talented with all that stuff too. He gets the most open shots because defenses are, are, are trying to stymie those shade drives. And that leads to open looks for everybody. And he's kind of really benefited from that. And I think that's the big thing. And that's why I kind of have him a tier above Embiid. And like the smallest of tiers, um, you, you know, in that sense. And Embiid has been great. He's averaging career high in assists. He's moving the ball really well. And I think he's benefited from Maxi's rise. Whereas Shea is the reason why other guys have benefited in Oklahoma city. And I think that's kind of the small delineation there. And I think that's sort of the, the difference between the two and why I would probably go, you know, one, two, the way Seth has it in that list. And I think that's the stuff that's most interesting, but at the end of the day too, and Dave, I got to give you credit, man. September, you were calling Shay for MVP. I don't know if you said it on the pod or if you said it in our post pre pre pre-show stuff. And I started yelling at you about it's way too early and whatnot and and things like that. But I mean, give your, give your credit, take your victory laps. But it's also like, you know, victory. But it, it's the narrative. Well, I'll take I'll take one. I'll you take, take one. one. Who told you? Who <laughs> told it. you years ago? Who told you guys That's years true. ago? Shane's gonna be a star. What's incredible to me? Look, he's he's averaging almost thirty two a game, thirty two points a game. Super low volume three point shooting for a, a guard in the NBA now. Three and a half threes on average a game, and he's still averaging thirty one and a half points a game. I mean, that's just incredible. The guy scores at every level. And this is different than Embiid, right? Because Embiid, dominant in the posts. We know that, you know, he shoots threes and he's good from the mid-range, but he's not attacking you in the same ways. He's not set. I mean, a lot of Embiid's playmaking comes out of the post and, and drawing the double. And it's great for that he recognizes it. But Shea is actively creating a lot of the advantages uh, for other people, too. It should be noted that that Embiid is having by by some margin his best playmaking season, um, and so but that's that's from a, a baseline of he's uh, of you know being a low playmaking high turnover guy he's better in that regard but he's still like for his his offensive involvement he's as he's on the high end of the turnovers to, to the same degree that Shea is on the low end. Um, so barring health, right? Is it? Is the MVP race over? No, come on. I mean, like, no, no. But are no. these are these the contestants? Let's say, is this the race? Is this? It's it's Embiid, it's Shea Gilgis Alexander, it's Jokic, it's Giannis, it's Kawhi. Or can someone sneak in there? Um, I think that you know you I mentioned mean, Luca. I think I think LeBron is having like the season LeBron is having. Like the the, the next group down is okay. Tatum has to be stupendous and Boston's still good. And then some other guys, you know, LeBron and, and uh, Luca and, and maybe one or two others, like if their team starts to come up, if, if the, if the warriors 
go on a like I I don't think any of us think this has happened. I think we all kind of think they're done. But if the Warriors go on a run and get in get up to like the fifth or sixth seed because behind Steph, like he gets into the conversation. So I think that that for the most part, the guys who are on the outside of that group looking in, it's as much about their teams putting runs together to to give them the platform to be in that conversation, as far as I'm concerned. It's also January 10th. Like if somebody has just an unbelievable second half, like we like you said, we're at the halfway mark. Like if somebody has just an unbelievable second half, that's going to win them the MVP. Right. And this stuff can, can change relatively quick, a hot three weeks from somebody. And we're all of a sudden going like, Holy shit. Deer and Fox goes completely ballistic and has the Kings rising in the standings or something. We're going to start looking at that. Yeah. And and so on. So we'll have to see how it kind of plays out. I would just say first half MVP, I think, is pretty solid. And, you know, we'll see how yeah. it kind of continues the rest of the way. Cade Cunningham comes back from injury and the Pistons win four games. And we name him MVP, maybe, because that is one of the worst basketball teams. Three, three, three. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't be unrealistic. Three games. You guys, three games. Hey, if you guys ever want to do something really, really funny, go look at that Bobcats team. That set the you know the the lost record, and look at that roster and compare it to the Pistons roster. Tell me how many more guys the Bobcats had than this Pistons team have. I, I I mean it just makes you sad about the state of basketball in, in Detroit. It is um, man. I I randomly had that thought yesterday, and I looked and I said, "Wow, that Bobcats team had a few guys." See, I don't I, I don't think that I think the Pistons have. The Pistons are underperforming their talent. Better. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I can only judge the talent <laughs> and, and, on how and, and it's that performed. Might be more of a, <laughs> and that might be more of a coaching thing. You know, uh, hiring a coach that you didn't want to coach for a while and you kept yeah. raising the prices is probably not a good, good deal. That's not a good way to negotiate. Anyway, it's a good place to end the show. For Moda Keel and Seth Partnow, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.